Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the third edition of the Caribbean Cricket Podcast. I'm your host, Michelle St. Patrick Hewitt, and with me as ever, we've got... I'm Santoki, and we're here with the long-awaited third episode of the Caribbean Cricket Podcast. We've got a lot to discuss. Afghanistan versus West Indies had a great competitive series, and we'll look ahead to West Indies' upcoming ODI and T20 series against India. Santoki, listen, it's been how long since the second one? <laughs> um, what is it? At least it might be a month and a half since we last did one, you know. Boy, yeah, I think it's a, yeah about six weeks. I think. I think, but the, you know, good good things come to those who wait. That's the thing. The art of doing a podcast, you see, the podcast market is super oversaturated, and uh, yeah. we're just trying to keep people keep people waiting by doing one whenever we feel like, as opposed to doing one every single week. Um, and making people get bored of it. So, ladies and gents, if you've joined us, um, thank you for those who listened to the the second episode. Um, that that there was a something like a forty five percent increase on those who listened to the first episode. So, thank you to those who listened, and we'll try to keep the content good on West Indies cricket and um, share. Uh, you don't need to do any of that kind of iTunes rating and all that because we don't know how to put it on iTunes. So, <laughs> so don't, don't worry about any of that. Just listen and share it and that that will do us. So Santoki, let's get let's get straight into it. Since we last spoke yeah. um, or since we last did a podcast, I should say, uh, the, the big news for the West Indies, as you said, was their um, their tour to Afghanistan. Um, both of us were excited about that because it represented a potential chance for West Indies to actually end their ODI hoodoo. Yeah, I mean, the last time uh, West Indies won ODI, boy, you'd have to go back, was it 2014? They beat Bangladesh. So we've been waiting five years. Uh, this tour to Afghanistan coincided with the great news 
in our opinions, that uh, Kyron Pollard had been made captain of the West Indies side. So there was a lot of optimism, but then there was also, you know, Afghanistan are dangerous, especially with their spinners, Rashid Khan, Mujib al-Rahman, and they were playing in India as well, which is obviously notoriously helpful for spinners. So there was, it could have gone either way, but in typical West Indian fashion, they managed to uh, pull off a victory in the ODI series, 3-0. And Masha, were you expecting that going into this series? Do you know what? So we had, we had spoken before it, and um, Taz isn't on this episode, but shout out Taz. And um, she had said in the group chat that it was going to be relatively straightforward, if you remember. And yeah. um, both of us had essentially ignored her and said, no way, West Indies can't play spin that well. Afghanistan, OK, they're not in home conditions, but... Injures where they play their cricket, um, yes. and I don't know. I I was more, I was more like wanting it in hope than than believing yeah. that the West Indies could go there um, and perform. But with Pollard as a captain, I at least knew that we'd be a bit more aggressive in our approach and a bit more forward thinking in how we played our ODI cricket. Yeah, I mean. If you look at the series as a whole, I don't think it was a great performance from the West Indies. I think they were just, they managed to be slightly better than the Afghans who had an abysmal ODI series. Um, Rostin Chase and Shai Hope, obviously the standouts, they, um, especially in the first ODI, Rostin Chase hit a 94 and I think Shai Hope hit a century in the, in the final one. So they, those were the key batsmen, but the top order still looked fragile. I mean, I wouldn't be confident of that top order performing well against the likes of, you know, an India and England, or even going down like a Bangladesh, for instance, they didn't instill me with that much confidence. No, you're right. And it's hard because I don't want to undermine the achievement. A 3-0 yeah. is still a 3-0. Exactly. And in fairness to Afghanistan, they've beaten other teams at, at home in India. Um, so we can't diminish what the West Indies achieved. Um but I do think a lot of it was to do with the the poor Afghani batting. Um, yeah. A lot of their, a lot of their, in the, pretty much in all of their innings, they gave wickets away um, when they didn't need to, which just made the task a lot easier um, for the West Indies. And I think, if I'm right, I just need to remind myself, but um, in fact, nine, two of them, two of the ODIs, um, the West Indies elected to field first and chase mm. the total. Um and they they evidently backed themselves to chase whatever Afghanistan could could uh, could put on the board. And I think you're right. The the batting lineup for the West Indies still needs an awful lot of work. And given the injury up next, I'm I'm like you. I'm not instilled with any confidence going towards India. Yeah, I mean, um, bowling wise. We could take some positives from West Indies bowling-wise in the sense that it was shared amongst everyone. So Holdar was very economical, took a few wickets. Chase was excellent on those spinning pitches. Uh, Sheldon Cottrell had a, had a good ODI as well. Kimo Paul came in the last one, took three wickets, was very economical as well. So in terms of bowling, it seems like there was a great uh, spread of quality throughout that side. And they performed well in India, which is surprising. You wouldn't expect West Indian pace bowlers in this generation to perform that well on the subcontinent. Yeah, yeah, no, totally. And um, I'm glad you raised the bowlers. Um, I think Chase, for me, deserves a lot of credit because mm. he's always said that he wants to get into the West Indies LDI team. And I think up until this series, he keeps coming in. Then he yeah. doesn't really 
um, perform to his capabilities um, to then justify him staying in the side. But when you think of the skill set that, that Chase has, it's a surprise that he's only just shown now um, on the international stage that maybe he should be an integral part of the LDI side because I've got I've I've come to the the conclusion that we now have to consider Roston as a legitimate um, international all rounder. Yep, yep, and remarkably he plays spin so well. I mean, if you look at um, the India, I think the India Test last year he scored a century. He's always done well against Pakistani spinners, and then again in this series he seems to manage to have a great uh, control of the spin. And it's whether he's learnt that in Barbados, is if he's come through the Bayesian system like that, or if that's just a natural talent. He's just got an ability to play spin and manage to hold his wicket against it. Yeah, what one hundred percent, and I think his last tour. I think last tour to injury got, um, I know it was test matches, but I think yeah. he got another century on his last tour. Um, um, yeah, you're right. He, he does play spin well, but I think going back to an earlier point you made about the ODI lineup, I mean, they've, we were going to kind of cover it at the end, but we kind of have to segue in and out of it because yeah. they've named an unchanged side to go to <laughs> India in all four, uh, in the ODIs and the T20s. But with the ODIs, as you said at the start, that will probably mean that, King and Brandon King will obviously get another another chance. He has to. Um, okay, yeah. So he will still open with Evan Lewis, um, which is obviously they and I don't know if you heard they they sounded Chris Gale out and he's obviously declined declined to play. I'm surprised that they're even considering Gale playing, but the the, mm. the opening pair didn't look it looked fragile against Afghanistan, um, yeah. and then. I don't know where you stand on on Hope. So Hope in the ODI series averaged 229. Um, yeah. And in ODIs, Hope is he's pretty imperious when it comes to ODIs in terms of his international record. Uh, I think he's mm. averaging over 50 um, after, yeah. I can't remember how many matches, I'm going to say it's 60-odd now, um, mm. in, in ODIs, which is phenomenal. But mm. I've often been critical of Hope because... His strike rate is, I think his strike rate on average now is about 75. I, obviously, I'm not saying drop shy hope. No way. But what I am saying is, I get his role in the team. I, I understand what he's supposed to be doing. But is that really an international strike rate in 2019? No, it's definitely not. I was going to say, Shy Hope, if this was 1997, Shy Hope would be probably the top ODI batsman in the world at the moment. Um, I think this series suited his strengths because it was a throwback series in terms of the highest score made in the series was 2-5-3, which is ridiculously low for an ODI series in 2019. So Shy Hope, he suited this series because it was a low-scoring series. But in general, if you were to place that on against any other side, his strike rate is appalling. I mean, in the last ODI series, I think West Indies were chasing 250, and he ended up scoring 109 not out of 145 balls. Now, if that was... If that was um if they were opening the batting and he'd done that sort of innings, you'd say as a match losing innings, strike rate of seventy five, not out opening, and you've only scored one hundred and nine of one hundred and forty five balls. So I think for West Indies, he's good at the moment because he anchors a weak top order. But going forward, he's not that sort of explosive batsman who you need firing um from the get go. 
Yeah, and actually, thank you for reminding me, because I actually just said King and Lewis opening, when, of course, it was Hope and Lewis opening. And I guess, yeah. going forward, the West Indies, they're, they're not thinking, or at the moment, certainly, they don't have a Chris Gale. They don't have a second mm. Chris Gale. Evan Lewis was supposed to be that, but the point is there's not two Evan Lewises, there's not two Chris Gales at the moment. And yeah. they've gone for the they've gone for the the plan of let Hope open, let him go at his strike rate of 70 and let him play all the way through the innings. Now, yeah. actually, that only works if everybody else in the order is playing at 90 plus yeah. during the course of the innings. And so this is where having Chase in the team is also a bit of a problem because Chase is a great player spin, not, not doubting that. And he's had a good series against Afghanistan, but he's not going to come in and hit at 90 plus. Now, the, the, the players in the order that will, at the moment, are Puram, who uh, will yep. get to the ball tampering, but Puram, um, and then the woefully out of form, Hetmeyer. Um, yep. And then obviously Pollard as well, coming in at five or six, depending on where he's coming. And like you say, the lineup is just shaky. Um, and if they don't come off, you're then left with a situation where Hope can't really accelerate. Or not, yeah. not accelerate quick enough to cash in on his slow start. Um, I know he's played one or two T20 knocks here and there, which which show he has that ability. But I don't think he's he's got that game all together as one yet in um in ODI cricket. So I just feel like the ODI team is still a huge, huge, huge um, work in progress. Yeah, definitely, it's a work in progress, and I feel like. Poran's had good moments, but if you look at it overall in terms of Lewis, Poran, Hetmeyer, two years ago, those guys in a lineup you'd be massively looking forward to. You'd be like, all right, this is explosive. These guys can get 350. They haven't seemed to have developed in West Indian colours. And at the moment, as you say, it's very fragile. You're expecting Hetmeyer, at the moment, you're expecting him to go out for less than 10 single digits, just the way he's batting. Lewis, his form has dipped in ODI, in ODI format as well. So it's whether these guys can develop again and um, live up to the potential which we know they have. So looking at the um, looking at the West in West Indies, looking at the India series, like I say, unchanged side. So I don't really see too much of a change um, in in the order going forward. I mean, Brandon King actually played all of the um, T20s. Um, he only played yeah. he only played one of the ODIs actually. I think he came in for the very last one, and I think he yeah, uh, he hit a thirty nine. Um, so. It's, it's, I would assume the order against India will go something like Hope, Lewis, um, Hetmeyer has to be dropped. Surely, surely he's got to be dropped. Now, you, obviously, you know that I've been cussing him now for at least... <laughs> what is it now? I've been cussing him since... Pretty much since the World Cup, I've been cussing yeah, him. Yeah, since the World Cup. Um, I think the World Cup was, yeah. And in fairness, I'm now wondering if people are actually now going to start listening to me when I'm cussing Hetmeyer. Because um, yeah. it was a subpar World Cup. He was awful at home. Um, he was sorry, not even before the World Cup. He was terrible in the IPL. Mm-hmm. Then he was subpar in the World Cup. Then he was terrible at home against India. He's gone to. Oh, sorry. Then he was terrible in the CPL. Yeah. Then he's gone. Then he's gone to Afghanistan and been <laughs> atrocious, and still got picked to go to India. And if he doesn't come good in India, I genuinely think he has to be dropped now. 
Yeah, I mean, I can envision if we lose the first ODI, I can envision them dropping him for potentially Suno Ambris, bringing in Suno Ambris uh, to have a go as someone who can kind of stabilise the inning, similar to Hope. But again, I think they'll give him a chance for the first ODI against India. I think Hetmeyer will be in that lineup. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I suspect he, I think he plays in the first game, but he must know the pressure is on him. And much like with Darren Bravo, who, who's gone away and obviously top, not, well, top scored in terms of averages in the super, uh, domestic Super 50, I'm yeah. not saying Hetmeyer's a bad player. I'm just saying he needs a break. That, that's actually yeah. all I'm saying. He needs to I go mean, find some confidence. A good comparison would be Johnny Bairstow for England, who got dropped from the test side because he'd been averaging like 17 or something over the summer. And the selector said they're not dropping him because they don't think he'll never make the side again and they're discarded him. They just want him to reevaluate his game and come back into the national side. And I think that's where we need to go with Hetmeyer. He needs to go drop down into regional level, maybe play a few first-class games, just get his technique back, his confidence back, score a few runs, and then we can integrate him back into the West Indies side. Because at the moment, it's just a downward spiral for him. And I don't think he's going to regain his confidence playing against world-class bowlers. He's going to have to go back to regional level, work on his game, similar to what you said Darren Bravo's been doing and then come back into the ODI side a stronger player and he's still young he's got a lot of time on his side yeah 100% um, if this ever reaches the ears of Shimron Shimron I'm I'm not saying you're a bad player <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm totally backing everything Santoki just said you just need a break um, yeah I was going to touch on Hayden Walsh Jr but actually I'll, I'll leave that for now and let's, uh, let's look at the T20s so the ODIs, fantastic success, 3-0, first ODI series victory um, in, five in five years. Now, T20s, yeah. um, we've been, under Carlos Brathwaite's leadership, we, we haven't been playing like World 2020 champions in such a long time. Mm. That even, though it's our, even though it's still our strongest suit, I wasn't that surprised to see us losing the T20 series. What about you? No, I wasn't. Um, it's not... As you said, it's not the same side that won the World Cup for us. We don't have any, we don't have many players who can come in and just be explosive and just kind of be match winners from as we had have had in when we won in 2012, when we won in 2016. Brandon King had a very poor T20 series, which kind of shows the adjustment. It's one thing doing well in the CPL against mainly domestic West Indian bowlers. It's another thing coming to India for your first international tour and trying to score from the get-go. But I do think he needs time and he will come good for us in the T20 side in that opener role. Yeah, he, he definitely... I would like to see him play all three games against India. I think um, the step up from West Indies domestic cricket, even in... I mean, CPL's kind of an international tournament, but the, the, the step up from um, West Indies domestic cricket to international cricket is huge. Um, so I, I wasn't too surprised to see him suffer against Afghanistan, but he, he definitely deserves a go in all three um, uh, T20s versus India. But as well as that, again, just what what was upsetting for me in the, in the T20 series was that we've got four players who I think are all going to be going to the World Cup who weren't selected, or sorry, who are either injured or didn't make themselves available or weren't selected, yeah. whatever. And that's DJ Bravo, um, Dre Russ, Chris Gale, and Sunil Narayan. Now, yeah. yes, okay, there are some people, yourself, who's, who, who say the jury is out on Chris Gale. But what yeah. I am saying 
is none of the players in the just concluded series versus Afghanistan did anything to warrant not just calling all of those four back into the side when they're next available. What do you reckon? Yeah, yeah I agree. I think if you're a Narayan or Gale watching this series or following this series at home, you've got nothing to worry about, really. As soon as you make yourself available, you're back in a squad because, as you said, nobody really stepped up to the mark um, in terms of this T20 side. I was disappointed that Lendl Simmons didn't get too many chances I think he just got one game didn't he yeah he just got one game scored seven I'd like to see him given a goal yeah. in India I'd like to see Simmons because I think Gail as you said Gail I'm not at this point in time I'm not the biggest fan of him potentially starting in the World Cup aged he'll be nearly 41 I do feel that we need a solid backup for him and I think Simmons could be that guy because he's just so experienced and he's got that quality to accelerate in the T20 format. So it was a shame he wasn't given a run. He only scored seven runs uh, in his in his only T20 game. So I'm hoping they'll continue and play him in the three T20s against India. And obviously India's a side he's notoriously done well against, as we saw in the 2016 semi-finals of the T20 World Cup. So again, I would like to see Simmons get get a few runs, get into the T20 side, and again increase our options of a backup opener for the World Cup next year. Yeah. Um... Quick shout out for some of the bowlers, though. Keswick hmm. Williams, um, yeah. I wouldn't have picked him to tour Afghanistan. I, he actually had an all right CPL, but he just wasn't on my radar. But um, he yeah. got eight wickets across the three games. Um, his economy was low in from for a modern T20 standards. So shout out Keswick for putting himself back on the international stage. And another player, he had a very good CPL, but I... Jason Holder... Yeah. I've never really seen as a T20 player, if I'm honest with mm. you. And obviously he captained the Tridents um, to the to the CPL title. <laughs> and um, and his, role, his role in the CPL <laughs> tournament was essentially he was bowling his four overs right at the very, in the power play. And yeah. being really, really miserly. Um, players were struggling to pick his length and he was, he was basically getting a lot of wickets as um, people couldn't pick him properly or play him properly. Um, and again, he had a he only got three wickets, but his economy was good. So I've, I've been impressed with Jason to force his way back into T20 um, consideration. <laughs> but um, I didn't I wasn't impressed um, with Hayden Walsh Jr. Um, okay, yeah. Given I can't remember if he was the top wicket taker in the CPL. Um, I think he was actually, but. Um, I, I don't know. I'm just wondering with Hayden if he's one of those bowlers where batsmen get themselves out as opposed to him prizing them out. Yeah. Um, and he didn't seem that threatening um, to the, to the Afghani batsmen. Again, obviously he'll play against India as well, but it was just mildly disappointing from him. Yeah, I think they didn't they drop him for the final T20 as well. Yeah, yeah, they did. Sorry to play um, they did. Uh, Kari Pierre. Yeah, yeah. So again, yeah, Hayden Walsh, it was mentioned on commentary about him, whether he's actually taking the wickets or if it's batsmen are just being forced to play at him and he's getting the wickets in that way. So, I mean, I would give him another chance. I think there is potential, but the jury is out on him. And going back to Holder, it's interesting because the first time I remember seeing Holder on TV for an extended period was actually in the IPL. I think he was bowling for the Sunrisers and then, or maybe Chennai, one of those franchises. And he just seemed like a classic T20 bowler big tall strong bowler and the commentators in India loved him but he kind of sacrificed his T20 game once he became a test captain so he's gone 
opposite to the current trend in in cricket, whereas he's given up his T20 skills in order to perfect his test skills. So I think he's always had it in him to be a world-class T20 bowler. And now that he's not captain in for the ODIs and he's on the in the backseat in that regards, I think you're going to see him kind of develop in T20s once again without the pressure of having to captain all three formats. Yeah, um, I, I mean, certainly he's made lots of noises about wanting to be at the T20 World Cup um, mm. next year and all power to him. Um, and we'll get onto the test shortly, but I actually think the one thing I liked about Holder in the ODIs and um, T20s, he looked revitalised again yeah. and almost Pollard taking the captaincy off him or Pollard being given the captaincy rather has possibly freshened Jason up um, yeah. somewhat because we're about to jump into the test, but he looked, he looked invigorated in the test match. Like yeah. he, he was pulling captaincy moves that I haven't seen him pull in a while. Um, and actually being forward thinking in the test match. So actually for him, it was probably a huge blessing in disguise that Pollard has taken that um, that ODI captaincy from him. I, I agree. I think you can see the pressure off him. I mean, it was a lot to take. I think, how old is he? 23 when he got given the captaincy for all the formats. Mm. It's a big burden to take, especially for the West Indies, which has the unusual dynamic of so many different cultures in a team compared to the rest of the world, which is just one nation. Um, so as you can see, I think you've seen him, the shackles have been taken off him and he's playing with freedom. And just one final point about the T20s, um, the final T20, Shai Hoke, 52 of 46 balls, which I mean, in in T20s, that's the definition of a match losing innings. So I don't think Shai Hoke should be anywhere near the T20 side for the World Cup, if I'm completely honest. Yeah, I think though, if, he, if I'm right, the reason he got called up is because he was already there because of um, yeah. the test team. And I think Ramdin was the backup Ramdin keeper. Puran got, has been suspended before the ball tampering. So Puran is supposed to be the T20 wicketkeeper. Mm. Ramdin only played because Puran suspended. Ramdin then got injured. They weren't going to fly out um, another wicketkeeper um, for I one so, match. Yeah. So I, I think they literally just said to, to Shyhelp, well, you're going to play. Now, yeah. bear in mind, though, with Shai, I have seen him hit some... I've seen him do one or two innings for the Tridents, not in this season's CPL, but in previous editions, which again suggests he can actually play quick innings. But I just don't think he's worked out how to do it on all occasions. I, I, don't, I don't think he's really got the game yet to do it. To be, to be fair... You're only going to, realistically in cricket, it's only going to be, what, the top 5-10%, the likes of Steve Smith, uh, Coley, Joe Root, Warner, who are going to be able to perform in all three formats. I think Shai Hope's just a player who needs to focus on tests, maybe some ODIs, but I don't think he'll ever be a player who you'll see scoring a century in the T20s and then managing to seamlessly go into tests. I think just because he's not a, he's a great player, but he's not a world-class player. So I think for him, focusing on tests is the way to go forward. Yeah, um, I personally I agree. Um, I don't want him in the T20 side, um, mm. but we we shall see. Hopefully he's not playing against injury in the T20s. Um, but someone's going to have to keep wicket in that first one. I was going to say, who, still, would you? What do you think of Randin? <sighs> I mean, the second when we were chasing 147, which is a pass score in T20s. He scored 24 of 27 balls, seemed to struggle on Indian pitches. But again, he is someone with a lot of experience. And um, 
that is something that's missing in this T20 side at the moment. Well, so, so it could be worth persisting with him. So that's why I think Ramdin went. I know there was huge consternation about Ramdin being back in the squad. But if you look <laughs> at the lineup for that side that, that had to chase that 1-4-8, it was Brandon King and Lewis opening, Ketmire <laughs> at three, Rutherford at four, Pollard at five, then Ramdin, Holder, Paul, Walsh, Williams, Cottrell. In fairness, if you look at that top six with Ramdin coming six, there isn't that much experience. They're all still young. Pollard aside, obviously. So yeah. I do just wonder if Ramdin has... One is the backup. Um, two, he can play... Um, he can play quick T20 knots. I've seen him do it before. Yeah. And also, actually... Ramdin is still picked because he's the best actual wicket keeper in terms actual, of actual yeah. ability to keep at wicket in a short format. Um, <laughs> so I, I, I also think that's why um, he's there as well. Um, Purando will be the, the selection, obviously, going forward. One with yeah. um, Let's jump into the test, but quickly, very quickly, because yeah. he's, he's your guy, Guyanese guy. Yeah. I've never rated. Oh, sorry. No, that's harsh. Shafane Rutherford, speak yeah. to me about him, please. <sighs> Should he be in the T20 side? In his current format, in his current format, I don't think he should be in the T20 side. I think he was slightly rushed into the into this West Indian side because of the lack of options. Really, I mean, I know in the G GT20 in Canada, he was amazing last season for Guyana Amazon Warriors he was immense when with him and Hetmeyer worked in tandem um he can be explosive he can be on his day but I think at the moment he needs similar to Hetmeyer he needs to play regional level or maybe some more franchise cricket and then work his way into the West Indies side I don't think at this current stage he should be in the West Indian team yeah um, I, I get, I'm just with you I just feel like it's too much too soon yeah. um, for Rutherford. And bear in mind, he's coming into a side. I wouldn't, and I wouldn't even blame Rutherford. He's coming into a side where historically the attitude is get to the wicket and start smashing the ball about. Yeah. Um, and again, there's a gap between doing that at CPL level and doing that under the pressure of, of international cricket. And when Rutherford yeah. plays for West Indies in the few times that I've seen him, I just always get the impression you're not ready for this yet. I mean, I mean, if it was, say this was 2012 and you had someone like Rutherford coming in, the team was so set in terms of they knew what they were doing. He was, he'd be someone who could kind of slot in. Whereas now the team's so uncertain, people are having so many dips in form. I just think it's a bad time for him to come into the side. It's not settled anyway. So as a youngster coming into that environment, it's always going to be tough to try and make a mark because the side itself isn't confident. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And I wouldn't, I'm not going to pay too much stock by what happens in these T20s versus India. Um yeah. I will probably pay a bit more stock by what happens versus Ireland um, in yeah. January. But I, but I keep, I think that tour, if I'm right, clashes a bit with PSL or is it BPL? I can't even remember which one. I think it it's BPL, with. yeah. And I just think like some of those, some of those established stars are playing a very brave game here because <laughs> if they're not going to make themselves available, they're basically daring the West Indies to not pick them. If, yeah. So I'm not saying they must play against Ireland because lots, most of them won't. Um, hmm. But I don't think they should be taking their place 
I don't think they should be taking their place at the World Cup for granted. Obviously, we're going to pick Dre Russ, and he probably knows that. He could mm. Dre Russ could not play the whole of next year, and he'll and still he'll go to the World Cup. Yeah, um, exactly. Chris Gale, I mean, I'd take him regardless, but you've got to feel like he's got to make himself available for something. I guess, I guess you could look at it that way, or you could look at it in terms of, do you need to be playing for the West Indies to make the World Cup squad, or does doing well for, in franchise cricket serve as a better advert because you're playing a, a longer stretch of T20 games? So someone like Russell, if he does, if he has another amazing season for Kolkata Knight Riders, is that enough to justify his inclusion in the West Indies side rather than him playing a handful of T20 series against the likes of Ireland, etc.? So I guess T20s is unusual in that regard because playing at club level, franchise level can basically be a window for you to make the international side without having played a long stretch of international games in the build-up. Very true. Very true. But I just think in terms of the team harnessing everyone's yeah. role within the team, yeah. I'm, I'm going to have to look at the, the future tours program. I know we got Sri Lanka after Ireland uh, and then New Zealand and South Africa tour yeah. in the and summer. Then, think... And then there's CPL. There's CPL, and then straight after that, we're playing three T20s against Australia and three against New Zealand as a warm-up for the World Cup. So I think the yeah, CPL probably, yeah, and, yeah, those, yeah. and those six T20 games... That's where they... Yeah, it wouldn't surprise that's me if that's... Stretch. Yeah. By the way, we're still going to win the World Cup, by the way, irrespective of yeah, all this. I'm confident. <laughs> it's, think, not, it's, it's not even in doubt for me. I think just as we've said before in the podcast, and I mean in a group chat with Taz, just because... There's so much experience in that side. Everyone, on their day, if you put everyone together, the likes of Gail, Lewis, Bravo, Pollard, they all know exactly what they need to do. And they don't even need to be playing together. They just know specifically what their role is. If you need to chase, if we need to chase 60 in the last three overs and you've got Russell and Pollard, you're going to be confident they can do it regardless of their form. So I think, yeah, I'm very confident that we can win it in Australia, which would be great, bearing in mind our historic rivalry with the Aussies. <laughs> um, right, very quickly before we wrap up um, this episode, just a light touch, um, a light touch on the test match. It was only a solitary test match mm. um, in Afghanistan and... Um, a good way for the West Indies to end off actually what has been a quite a kind of productive um, test year. Beat England at the start of the year, beating yeah. Afghanistan um, at the end of the year. Um, in fact, I think the record over the whole of over 2019 is a winning record, which is very very rare. Um, mm. But uh, the star of the show, two stars of the shows in the test match, uh, Raheem Cornwall with his seven yeah. for 75, which essentially set up the win. Um, for the West Indies in the first innings, uh, was Afghanistan were all out for what, 180 odd was it? 187. Yeah, 187. Um, so Raheem Cornwall seven for seven for 75, doing a lot of justifying a lot of people who have been backing him uh, for the last three four years. He's been the top spinner in the Caribbean for so long, um, and his weight was the only reason he wasn't being picked. It wasn't on ability whatsoever, um, and in fact he took ten. For the uh, for the match because he took three four um, three four forty six in the second innings, but um, <laughs> also um, as much as Cornwall set it up, it was actually Shamar Brooks um, who in the first innings made sure that West Indies had a lead of ninety odd um, with a hundred and eleven 
And I've got to really, really shout out Brooks here because he is, when you look at the West Indies test batting lineup, which has been weak in fairness, um, he's supposed to be the weakest one in, in the top six. I think since 2015 in domestic cricket, he's been averaging over 50. So his call up in fairness was deserved. Um, but I hadn't, I know we got a 50, I think, in that last test match against India, but I hadn't seen enough to, to me, for me to think that he deserved to be, um, in the West Indies lineup. But you can't <laughs> knock a man who gets 111 in only a second test. Yeah, I mean, we, in my honest opinion, when I, well, Shamar Brooks in a lineup kind of reminded me of, say, a Devon Smith or a Kirk Edwards, someone who's kind of filling in while they find a long-term replacement. But he did manage to step up to his credit in a tough, tough environment. And that 111 was very remarkable, considering, apart from John Campbell and Shane Dow, which no one else in the West Indies kind of put a substantial innings together. So it was tough conditions against the likes of Rashid Khan, um, Zahir Khan, Amir Hamza, top players for, in Indian conditions. So he managed to play really well and, yeah, set it up for us. And then, obviously, it was Rakeem Cornwall, Jimbo, as they call him in the West Indies, who kind of justified what a lot of us have been saying for the past three, four years, that he deserves a chance in the West Indian side. Um, and, yeah, he's, he's backed it up, up 10 wickets in, in this test. And, uh, yeah, very happy for Rakeem Cornwall. And hopefully he can continue that uh, next year, I'm sure when West Indies played their next series against England, I'm sure he'll get the headlines for his weight. So hopefully he can fire back at the English critics and uh, have another 10 wicket haul somewhere. Ideally, Lords. Do you know what? I hadn't realised our next test match wasn't until the England tour. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so it's a big for, for any English cricket fans who listen to this podcast, because um, you know what's going to happen, Santoki, when we tour next year. Um, mm. You're right. There's going to be so much cliche bullshit written about the West Indies. Rakeem Cornwall's yeah. just going to get article after article about how fat he is. Um, yeah. No one's going so to the do free, their the free, research. The three um the three articles I can already predict happening. One, Rakeem Cornwall, the the guy, the big guy who weighs 25 stones, blah blah. blah that would be the comedy article. Then there'll naturally be one about. The Golden Generation, Rim Richards, Clive Lloyd, what they've done in England. And then we'll get one about Shy Hope, whether Shy Hope can recreate his heavenly form in a test series again. And I'm sure those will be the cliches they go for. Do you know what? You're spot on, you know. <laughs> I actually think those will be the major articles. There might be one more about how Jason Holder is the nice man of cricket. There yeah, might, might be that obligatory nice... Jason Holder one as well. Um, and we, we might get one about they managed to slot in something even though it's tests about West Indies mercenary players and uh, the likes of Gale and Andre Russell throwing their, throwing their backs turning their backs on the West Indian cricket which will have nothing to do with the test but it's something which I noticed on the last tour they managed to throw in a few little digs about the mercenary aspect I, I said this the last time West Indies toured um, and I'm going to say it now with six months to go let West Indian writers write on West Indies cricket when West Indies <laughs> tour next year and stop writing the same piece you've been writing since 1985. Yeah. That's, that's I, just, I, just, I just that's need that out there. That's an open call to the media. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, the, uh, to, to kind of just sum it up, though, an um, excellent performance um, in the test match. And like I say, a long, long wait for West Indies to get any points in because this didn't count towards the World Test Championship. So by the time yeah. we play England, we'll still be on zero. 
Um, <laughs> <laughs> and we'll and we'll still we'll probably we'll be we'll probably be bottom of the table by then because um, <laughs> other teams would have picked up points. But in fairness, most teams are gearing towards the T20 World Cup, and that's taking more priority in terms of preparation than um, than test matches. So a long, long time. Um, in terms of West Indies cricket, though, they do have the four-day comp starting in January. So yeah. um, players like, if Darren Bravo doesn't get a call-up um, to the for the ODI squad against Ireland, um, it's players like him, Hetmeyer, if he gets dropped, need to be using that four-day competition to, to get some runs and restate their claim to ensure that when the England tour does come around, that, that they're actually um, travelling with the squad. Yeah. But I mean, on the whole, it's good to finally have a series as a whole, which we can uh, we be happy about. Uh, ODI series win and the Test series win against Afghanistan. So a good way, even though against India will we'll most likely be battered, this is a good way to kind of have something to be happy about towards the end of the year. We're planning to to drop another episode just before the maybe just after or just before the India series starts. Um, so yeah. look out for a second. Look out for a second one in a week. We are Caribbean, however, so the chances of that happening are currently about 2%. But, but we've promised ourselves we're going to do it. Um, in the meantime, though, assuming that we don't before the India series starts, very quickly, um, Santoki, your predictions for the ODIs and T20s, both, I think it's three matches in both. Your prediction of the scores? I think ODIs 2-1, T20s 3-0 to India. I'm going to go with ODIs 3-0 to India. T20 is 2-1 to India. Um, I hope we can win a game in one of them, but at the same time, if it ends 3-0 in both, I wouldn't be surprised. Exactly. Well, there you go. Ladies and gents, that's been episode three of the Caribbean Cricket Podcast. You can find us um, at Carib Cricket, C-A-R-I-B, cricket uh, on twitter um and you can find us our individual handles as well mine's mash m-a-s-h sorry m-a-s-h-s-t-p-a-double-d-y mash st paddy and you can find santoki on mine's at, at santoki s-a-n-t-o-k-i-e 89 and please do continue to uh interact with us on our Caribbean Cricket Twitter handle because whilst we are podcast is sporadic we do get consistent and great uh, conversations with you guys on social media so long may that continue yeah most definitely and if you'd like to contribute if you'd like to come on just hit us up we're always welcome for guests Uh, we've been your host today thank you and good night take care guys
Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.